around a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Here is some genre-related news before we get to today's discussion. Actress Nichelle Nichols made her final public convention appearance last weekend at the LA Comic-Con. She was showered with adulation by fans and supporters who came to celebrate her life and achievements over the three-day event. Tributes were made to salute Ms. Nichols' pioneering efforts on television and her work to recruit women and people of color to the American Space Program. Ms. Nichols did not make any public statements, although she did speak privately with various people close to her. In attendance as her special guests were a series of family, friends, and mentees. The list includes son Kyle Johnson, her younger sister Marion Michaels, actresses Judy Pace and Beverly Todd, and former astronaut Dr. Mae Jemison, who says that she joined NASA because of Nichols' powerful influence. Ms. Nichols was diagnosed with dementia in 2018 and has also been at the center of a struggle over her conservatorship. Although best known for having portrayed communications officer Lieutenant Uhura on the original Star Trek series, she was also a singer and dancer who has been an active figure in music, on television, stage, and movies since the 1960s. Among those offering video tributes were Rod Roddenberry, son of the Star Trek creator, retired U.S. Ambassador and current Diversity and Inclusion Officer at the U.S. State Department, Gina Abercrombie Winstanley, current and former NASA Administrators, Senator Bill Nelson, and General Charles Bolden, as well as actress Sonequa Martin-Green, who plays Star Trek's first black female starship captain in a leading role. Martin Green spoke of the debt that she owed to Nichols, who was one of the very first black actors to appear in a regular role on American television with a highly skilled profession. The convention allowed Ms. Nichols and her fans to connect a final time. Family members agreed that her fans mean the world to Ms. Nichols, and the reception she received demonstrated that those feelings are reciprocal. A sequel to Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has been announced with Destin Daniel Cretton returning as director and writer. Cretton has also entered into an exclusive multi-year deal with Marvel Studios and Hulu's Onyx Collective. The new deal will allow him to develop TV projects for both Marvel Studios on Disney Plus and the Onyx Collective for Hulu and other platforms. Shang-Chi is currently the highest grossing film at the domestic box office this year and has earned over $430 million worldwide. New trailers dropped this week for Halo, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and a first look teaser trailer 
for part one of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. You can view them on one of the FF social media pages. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. Halo debuts on Paramount Plus in 2022. Sonic 2 opens in theaters on April 8, 2022. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is scheduled for domestic release on October 7, 2022. Today, December 11th, is the anniversary of the birth of comic book artist and Eisner Hall of Fame member John Buscema. Buscema, who passed away in 2002, was one of the mainstays of Marvel Comics during its 1960s and 1970s ascendancy into an industry leader and its subsequent expansion to a major pop culture conglomerate. Buscema distinguished himself on numerous works during his career, including The Avengers, Conan the Barbarian, Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer, Tarzan, and Thor. Take some time today to peek at his work or discover it if you are unfamiliar with this comic book industry icon. Netflix has canceled its widely hyped adaptation of the anime Cowboy Bebop. This less than a month after the show's debut on the streaming service. Reception by fans was decidedly mixed, although the series has a 56% positive audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. One of the biggest criticisms of the show was that while it adapted a work with defined political statements, it actually removed all of them. Comic artist Jen Bartell has a comprehensive series of tweets on this. Look it up. Early on Thursday, SpaceX launched its 28th rocket of the year, this one carrying an X-ray observatory into space for NASA. The imaging X-ray Oh, God, I knew I was going to mess this up. Uh, polymetry. <laughs> X Imaging X-ray Polymetry Explorer, or IXPE satellite, is equipped with three identical telescopes and will study the polarization of light, meaning how a light wave oscillates relative to the director. <laughs> Excuse me. Try that again. Meaning how a light wave oscillates relative to the direction of the wave. Okay from some of the universe's most dramatic cosmic sources. Yeah, it's gonna study the polarization of, polarization of light from some of the universe's most dramatic cosmic sources, black holes and neutron stars. Astronomers will be able to refine the structure and study the mechanisms that power these types of enigmatic cosmic objects. Its first target will be the Crab Nebula, which is the remnant of a dead star. I was not aware of that. Up next for SpaceX is the launch of a communication satellite for Turkey, as well as a cargo resupply mission for NASA. Those launches are slated to blast off December 18th and December 21st, respectively. The Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo C2E2 is underway this weekend. If you're in the Windy City or traveling there today, you can get additional information by visiting the website at c2e2.com. DISCON 3, the 79th annual World Science Fiction Convention, opens in Washington, D.C. later this week. The con was delayed from the summer due to the coronavirus. It's being held at the Omnishoreham Hotel. 
The last Worldcon held in the District of Columbia was in 1974. This one is really the granddaddy of them all, having started fan conventions back in 1939. And the festivities include the Hugo Awards, the annual literary award for the best science fiction or fantasy works and achievements of the previous year. The Hugo is considered the premier award in science fiction. Information is available via the website at discon3.org. And if you happen to be there for the opening ceremonies, you might see a familiar face. Yours truly is going to be the host of the opening ceremonies for this outstanding convention. Some anniversaries this week as December 6th marked 30 years since the domestic opening of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And December 7th was 42 years since the North American opening of Star Trek The Motion Picture. And today, we are talking about some of these news items. Joining me for this discussion are Roberto Ortiz, Drew Bittner, Julian Lytle, and Mike Lunsford. Everybody, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, how's it glad, going? Glad to be here. Welcome for having me again. Congratulations All on being a host. That's a yeah, big freaking deal. Cool. Well deserved. Uh, well, they couldn't find anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Nobody else was stupid enough to take this thing on, you know. So, yeah, right. And, and yes, and I'll, I'll have you know that the hosting chores came with also uh, directing the opening ceremonies. Wow. Which is like, uh, all right, uh, how are we going to work this out? But hopefully it will be a good opening to the convention. One of the things that I'm pretty excited about is that um, Bob uh, Bob Mandel, uh, who is the last surviving attendee of that 1939 Worldcon, wow. uh, is going to be given the... Um, uh, well, he's given. He's being given an award. Don't start me to lie. You're, al you're alive. Congrats. Award. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what. You know, Last anybody, award. <laughs> anybody who was there uh, for that, you know, because uh, it, no joke, that started all of it. I, I don't know that we would be having these any kind of convention celebrating mm -hmm. fandom were it not for that hearty band that got together and the planning of the thing apparently started several years earlier so um, anyway uh, I, I get to actually meet Mr. Mandel in person tomorrow because I'm going by his home to uh, get a video uh, testimony from him that we're going to use in the opening ceremony. Wasn't so that also one of the exciting. first com conferences that had cosplay in it? It was the very first wow. <laughs> and, and in fact I believe that Forrest J. Ackerman of Famous Monsters of Filmland fame was the first actual cosplayer, and uh, you can you can find this because we talked about it on Fantastic Forum a number of times. Uh, but he he did a costume that was inspired by the 1936 uh, film Things to Come, which was based on the H.G. Wells novel, and uh, it was I mean there are pictures and everything. I mean uh, look it up because it's a really it's a really neat really great thing. So. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about back it. when they just called things dressing up. Uh, well, yeah, dressing before up or costuming. It wasn't cosplay before we co-opted sure. the entire I think other country's uh, term for the stuff. <laughs> yes, robot. yes, you know, because the, the, the cosplay thing that's Japanese, yep. isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. All right. So uh, anyway, look. Uh, I thought that we might start. I, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about Star Trek today, but before we get into that, there hmm. were a couple of other things 
in terms of the news items. Uh, and uh, it, actually, this is kind of in line with this because Nichelle Nichols yeah. having this uh, sort of send-off uh, at uh, the L.A. Comic-Con, I thought that was really noteworthy. And I was delighted that uh, despite her uh, de- her dementia, and there's, there's been a lot of talk about that, and yeah. you know how mm-hmm. um, apparently she has also been the victim of elder abuse yeah. and you know uh, this kind of thing. So, uh, but I was delighted that she had this opportunity, and the fans had the opportunity to see her this one last time uh, in public. It was very nice, very well done, good idea. What's with yeah. this elder abuse problem with these? Yes, yeah, famous. Figures within this uh, pop culture, quote yep. unquote, geek space. Like, what is? You know, I don't know. What's going on? Well, you know, I think it stems more from the fact that all of these individuals have uh, substantial earning power, yes. and human and nature being what it is, yeah. uh, the there are family members who see them as their uh, as their big ticket and their opportunity and so that that's that's where you have it i mean you know some unscrupulous family member uh, looks to seize control of the assets yeah. or the earning power uh, of this uh, beloved uh, elderly individual and they are especially vulnerable because frequently uh, anybody who tells them what they want to hear or who seems to care about them uh, is somebody to whom they gravitate. Yeah. I actually, uh, that happened to Stan Lee. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sure that's what Julian was referencing. Yeah. <laughs> when he yeah, mentioned it's remarkable. Yeah, it's like yeah, there's a few. But the thing is that I think it's a subset of celebrity culture. Uh, one thing I've observed of, uh, I know some artists who have become famous, and one of the fascinating things I observe is how all of a sudden hanger-ons, poof, start showing up. And all of a sudden, really sketchy individuals start going into the orbit of these people Mm -hmm. and they start doing really bizarre stuff inspired by the advice of these really sketchy people it's really fascinating how fame basically attracts all this weird characters with it well like i said human nature but you know more specifically uh nichelle nichols you know because of uh, and it's it's fascinating that here more than 50 years after the debut of this show because none of the people who were associated with the show expected that it was going to be anything other than uh, a I network feel. TV show yeah and yeah, it would be yeah it would, exactly and you come in and you do your you do your bit and uh, the show would be on and then it would be off and you move on to other things <laughs> and even people in the most obscure and she had a very prominent role yeah. but even people in the most obscure roles or who were day players on the show uh, are now in many cases revered yeah and so you know but for somebody like uh, Ms. Nichols you know who and particularly as an African-American yeah. you know, playing a member of this command crew and that's a very famous story that uh, <laughs> that she tells all the time or she told all the time about how she was getting ready to leave the show after the first season when she met Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who implored her not to leave, telling her how important it was that she be seen like this on this show about the future and being an officer. and Yeah, I mean, and and so she stuck around. And, 
uh, of course, the rest is history. Have you heard the op- the Whoopi Goldberg story talking about how she was inspired to go into <laughs> acting in part because of uh, yeah. of her? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm well, and and not just Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, you heard uh, Dr. Mae Jemison, the first yes. African American astronaut, and Shaniqua Martin Green, and uh, there was a. Uh, I, I, and they I, mean I, it. This is yeah. not. They, this is not. Oh, you're. We're doing this, blah, blah, blah. No, they mean it. This meant a lot to them. Sure. Yeah. Uh. No, no question. You know, so, uh, yeah, but kudos uh, to Nichelle Nichols. And um, I just uh, I just hope and pray that, uh, that she uh, has a good uh, twilight of her life, Agreed. so to speak. You know? But at least she went out with dignity in terms of the fans. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so so uh, that is yes, <laughs> absolutely, and uh, of course that's always a big deal. And uh, you hope that um, you hope that people are allowed to to be able to do that. You know. Hey, Mike, are you with us? I am. Yes. I can okay. I have to turn off the radio feed because I was listening to you there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I knew we were having some issues with that. Hey, did you have anything to add about Nichelle Nichols? You don't have to. I, I was just no, asking because you had. So it's not that I don't have anything to add. It's that like it, this is just such a sad story, and yeah. like she falls yeah. into that category of these people that I revered as a kid because it it was her. It was Shatner, it was DeForest Kelly, it was Leonard Nimoy, mm-hmm. it was James Dewey. It was the whole bridge crew were these icons, these like Mount Rushmore of of science fiction. Uh, like I have said on many times on your show how much I absolutely adore Star Trek. And like just to know that the elder abuse thing has happened to her is yeah. just it's so, so sad. And like she's just to, to know how much she means to not only like people like me who love Star Trek, but to know how much she meant to the African American community, the fact that Martin Luther King said something to her was like, "No, you need to stay here because of what this means." Like, that's just—it's incredible how much she means to this world, and that she got to say more or less goodbye on her own terms is kind of mm-hmm. cool. And yeah, like, it, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford, Julian Lytle, Drew Bittner, and Roberto Ortiz. We've just been talking a little bit about the uh, final public appearance of Nichelle Nichols, who is best known as Lieutenant Nyota Uhura on the original Star Trek series. So, of course, conventions seem to be back, and C2E2 is, uh, is well, this now. weekend. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, Worldcon coming up uh, right here in yeah. D.C. next week. Some of us uh, actually planning on being in attendance. Um, I, 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 are any of you all worried about this? Because, I you am. Know, of course, I think last week it was that I was talking about uh, the New York uh, Anime Fest or uh, New York Anime Con, I forget, but but that was there was a confirmed case of Omicron, the Omicron yeah. variant, yeah, yeah, that was that was there, and I'm I'm really hoping that we are able to maintain these gatherings that we all love and enjoy attending. Uh, okay, oh. I would basically start watching international news, specifically from the UK, the BBC, 
So you have an idea of what's gonna hit us in about two or three weeks. Because I think people, it's amazing. I love living in America, but I think we have like the attention span of a, na of a goldfish. <laughs> because we tend to forget how it was at the beginning of the pandemic a year ago. Mm. How it was normal, 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 and wakata! Mm. Things change, and I feel the same feel. I have the same feeling about the Omicron variant. Really do. I don't know that it's so much that. Um, well, I think part of it is the attention span of people. No kidding. Uh, I, I think also people are trying to move on from this. One of the things that I remember. <laughs> that to the virus. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem. Mm. And it, it, But the reaction uh, that we had was at least partly driven by the administration at the time which was so anxious to move on there was a uh, a, a general dismissal of mm -hmm. the realities surrounding the virus itself and i remember a commercial that was airing i mean cuz you remember that they, they were talking about oh we'd like to have everybody back in church by easter sunday and it was like i mean that was at the height of this thing yeah and i remember there was a, a particular commercial it was for uh automobiles and it was like gm or something like that but the commercial started out engines are starting again and i'm like you know damn engines starting it this was in march Okay, this was like late March. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, if there was ever a rush to be trying to get back out there. and uh, But uh, there again, there was a certain, the, the, the priority was not the health and safety of people. And it never has been. It never has been about health and safety of people, period, end of sentence. And the reason why is because as soon as people realized that they were losing money, that's when they all freaked out. And that's when they started saying like, we're here as a community. This has been trying times for all of us. <laughs> they turned their PR machines on because they were like, we can't lose money. And yep. they convinced everybody, because let me tell you something, as much as I love America, like we are the most gullible nation on the planet because all it takes is somebody with a, with a soothing voice and some snazzy music in the background and some real pretty graphics and the American flag flapping in the breeze for us to be like, well, no, this is about you America. Realize, you, you're this describing is about the, freedom. You're describing the plot of the music, man. <laughs> it, it, that, yeah, because it's fitting. Because nothing changes ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, what was it? Nineteen, was nineteen eighteen, nineteen nineteen, when the uh, influenza pandemic killed yes. millions mm. of people. It's yeah. the same yeah. thing. We learn absolutely nothing, and we're suckered in by this. No, it, it, and it, Mike, it's even worse. We, we pretend we are ridiculous. It's, it's worse because we're we pretend that it never happened. And that's the thing I find. Wait, wait. What do you mean? We pretended. We pretended the influenza. Uh, uh, no. Here's the fascinating or, thing or about wait, the. Or are you saying we pretended coronavirus never? No. Happened. 1918 pandemic. The fascinating thing is that if you basically well, wait, see. Wait, wait, wait. When you say we pretended it never happened, what do you mean by that? I find it fascinating, specifically in popular media, with the exception of certain books, that if you explore the wait history of the 20th century. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean that generally this isn't something that is widely Talked known about, about and read? Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, part of that is the time it happened. I mean, it was 1918. Yeah, but the thing is that we remember stuff that happened at the beginning of the 20th century. Like, well, well, like what? Who talks uh, about stuff at the beginning of the century? World War One. No, 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 no. Uh, we talk about, some pe white people talk about World War One because <laughs> it's a white people problem. Good point, but... Um, they don't like to talk about stuff that happened back in like 1988. So, let alone talking about something like, but like America does not talk about 
the past. But that is a yeah. larger problem than anything yeah. we anything mm-hmm. talk about. Die in the show. Agreement. Especially yeah. anything that paints white people in a bad light. And That's that, why critical race theory is such a big deal. Because but, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have the same last name of some people that own slaves. You can't talk about that. But, That's gonna upset my children. But like we refuse to take accountability for the stuff we did, including the pandemic of 1918. But that's the thing I find fascinating well, uh, because setting basically... aside for a moment the fact that what everybody refers to as critical race theory isn't actually what critical race theory is. Oh yes, I know. <laughs> this is a graduate level thing. It's nothing that is being yeah. taught in elementary schools or high schools. No, but it's and there's a general an misconception. Well, that's true. Yeah, there's a general misconception. In Virginia because of how stupid people are and how they have no idea what it actually yes. is. But guys, and there have been there confirmed. Cases of the Omicron variant here in Virginia now. Yes, there are. So we're, it, this is a sooner rather than later kind of thing. But, but I, I want to make a point about anybody who's listening to who's over fifty, like us here, most of us here. Do you remember any popular media growing up that you ever saw talking about the 1918 pandemic? Ever book, movie? Anything. Well, it wasn't relevant. No, but it wasn't relevant. But I mean, I wouldn't it's, expect it's, them. It's like me to finding out that the Wars of the, the World invasion described by H.G. Wells actually happened, and that the only thing that survives from that is that book. And being told, no, that actually happened. It's you, just you see, that you are about to cause conspiracy. I know. You know, know. Roberto, <laughs> which, though, it's not even it's not even a conspiracy because anybody who grew up in this area that is, I would say, older than me, which I'm 39. Um, was taught the lost cause narrative when it comes to history that the Civil War was not fought for slavery it was fought for states rights which yeah, is total yeah. nonsense it is like it history is. is was written by people that wanted to keep everybody under control like we can't talk about these things this has been going on for centuries I know yeah. like it's yes. new like Virginia Virginia is a huge part of that yeah like and it, it's it's ridiculous and to tie it back into the comic-con, side of things like it's frustrating to me when i want to go do these things but i see that people just don't care like yes. they don't care like they don't care if they don't feel well but that's the other part of this too is the personal responsibility that has been completely lacking from people with pandemic if you're sick and you have a headache and you have a sore throat or any of the symptoms that are associated with covid you're like well stay I really your ass home but you, you know what's the fascinating don't. thing specifically? If well, you well, wait a minute, though, because the other thing that I want to throw in here, and this is in direct re- response to what you were saying about popular media yeah. talking about this stuff. Uh, Roberto, you got to read a book, man. You know, no, it's no, like you got to go. No, oh, seriously, I can history give you a generally isn't taught. Yuli, I can and, give you a and, lecture on what happened in the 1918 pandemic because I read a lot. Yeah, well, I'm glad. But, but don't, most people don't pay attention. What Yuli's trying to say is that, what you're talking about isn't a thing just specific to this pandemic. It is yes. literally right. larger yeah. than this. But mm-hmm. you know what? It sucks that people got sick at NYC of a new variant that most likely started in Europe. Yes. And it's in New York. And people from Europe go to New York because New York is New York. But overall, we haven't heard that many cases came from San Diego, special special edition. Mm. Yes. Or God. many of the other conventions. I haven't heard anything from Baltimore. Or awesome con, mm-hmm. or any of the other conventions. I think for the most part, even though people are worried, after two years, people are going to do things. Yeah, because like you can't actually afford to keep everybody home forever. But to be fair to yeah, the conventions, these conventions so, are money making affairs, and they already affairs. pay for these things, usually for like booking in these dates. Yes, mm-hmm. and then people will have to owe. 
Ah, the convention yeah, as well as the venues, rest. you know, the uh, Javits Center and the uh, Walter yeah. Washington Convention Center. That, They've yeah. been largely empty for over a year, That's laying not, people yeah. off. I mean, it's just been, hey, we're ready for stage. And I understand people are frustrated. I mean, I get it. But the other problem with uh, the New York Anime Con was... Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently they overbooked. Uh, they weren't paying particularly close attention to the various uh, safety measures That's that stupid. they should have observed. Well, I'm just telling you why some of this stuff happened the way that it did. You know, and then as it turns out, the the confirmed case was somebody who lived in Minnesota. So left this thing in New York, went back to Minnesota, and carried the doggone thing back there. You know, I mean, so Fire's this bomb. is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's it, it's a thing. But, but to be fair, they come Oh, sorry, Mike. No, you're fine. Um my biggest question with all of this though is when this first started, when we were like, hey, if we can all just stay home and quarantine for this period of time, you know, we should be able to get a handle on this. We never did. And I don't I don't know enough. I'm not going to pretend like <sighs> I do. I don't know enough about it. I don't know enough about whether or not that would have stopped things. I don't, I, I really don't. I don't know if the vaccine, if we had a higher vaccination rate, if that would help. It, it sucks because I don't want to, yeah. It will help. I, I don't want to eliminate these things that I enjoy, but at the same time too, like it's, it's really, really, really hard to be totally invested in these sorts of things when this sort of thing happens. But to Julian's point, yeah, a lot of these conventions, we're not hearing about this stuff. Is it we're not hearing about it, or are they actually doing a good job? I heard they're doing a great job. But I'm also talking as a person who didn't stop going to work the whole time. So there's a certain yeah. point where like I get people's fear, but as a person that worked through the entire thing and not in the house working, like at a certain point, you know, with people actually getting these variants, even after being vaccinated, not showing any symptoms, you know, everybody ain't going to pay for 10,000 tests. Like, lucky for me, with, let's say, being a movie critic, lately going to screenings, Netflix took it upon themselves to pay for tests. Wow. And send people tests. Awesome. Yeah. That's but nice everybody enough. ain't doing that because everybody ain't going to put that cost in. That's so true. people yeah. could be sick and not know it at all. Because yeah. at this point, you if you after you got three shots and you still get the virus, like, I don't I don't know what else to, to, to do for it. Like, I don't, how do you control for that? Yeah. Point? Well, some, as an aside, something that I just read that I thought was pretty interesting, uh, and it's the costs that have been associated with COVID testing uh, for the film and television industry. Yes. And uh, that the costs have been minimal, <laughs> actually, which I was kind of shocked about, you know, particularly working in this. And you think about the number of times you have to take tests to be on set. and But I was heartened by that. But, hey, look. That musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Virginia, Arlington specifically. We are a community radio station. That means, among other things, we're non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, our sponsors, and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. Make it your point to... Visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org. Make your tax-deductible gift before the end of the year. It is tax-deductible. You want to be able to write that off next year on your taxes, and it will be greatly appreciated, your support of this wonderful institution that is community radio, community media. So, look, 
We're going to be right back after these messages. Don't go anywhere because we've got a lot more fantastic forum. I promise we're going to be talking about comic booky, science fictiony things. I, I don't know how we keep going off on the tangent, but we'll be right back. And we're back here on the Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. We are your community radio station and streaming online at WERA.FM. Uh, I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I am joined today by Drew Bittner and Julian Lytle and Mike Lunsford and Roberto Ortiz. And we had been uh, talking a little bit about convention events, because of course the World Science Fiction Convention, DISCON 3, the 79th annual World Con, is coming to Washington D.C. next week and it's going to be a wonderful thing. The granddaddy of them all. And of course C2E2 is today in Chicago and we started talking a little bit about these convention events that we love and how dangerous it is to be around people because of the coronavirus. And we were also talking a little bit about Star Trek, notably Nichelle Nichols, Lieutenant Uhura's uh, final public appearance that she made only a week ago at the LA Comic-Con. But I had wanted to talk a little bit more here in the second half of the show about Star Trek in general. Because yeah. of course, Star Trek is a very hopeful kind of show. And uh, it has sort of come back in the sense that You've got all these new shows that are on Paramount Plus, uh, Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, Star Trek Discovery, uh, Star Trek Prodigy, yep. uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds on the way. But also, in addition to the original Star Trek, you got Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Enterprise. And the Star Trek franchise is just this juggernaut and yeah this week marks the 30th anniversary of the release of the last film featuring the original cast star trek the uh, star country thank you <laughs> yeah and it's the 42 years since the release of the first star trek film star trek the motion picture now we sort of got sidetracked before the show started because Julian and Drew were talking about how boring and slow that first movie was and I had ha I, I thanked you all for that but I didn't have the opportunity to offer my perspective on that film which when it was initially released I thought exactly the same thing and and beyond simply that I was saying, well, this is a ripoff of the original series episode of the second season, The Changeling, on huh. top of everything. But over the intervening years, I have come to really appreciate Star Trek The Motion Picture and to feel that it is the film that had to happen 
as the first film. A lot of people would say, oh, they should have just started with Wrath of Khan. But you needed a picture to reintroduce, and this is, my, this is my rationale, you need a picture to reintroduce, thank you, Mike, for that, by the way, uh, to reintroduce these characters. A lot of people forget, this film came out in 1979. It was a scant 10 years since Star Trek, the original series, had been canceled from NBC TV. The, 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 the Star Trek franchise had while it was gaining momentum which was the whole reason they'd been able to do this film it wasn't the popular culture juggernaut that it is today yes and uh, there was so much about that i mean it's 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 actually become one of my favorites I, I gotta tell you i mean just because of the whole reintroducing the crew thing i mean you know when when the admiral shuttle comes into starfleet headquarters and they pan up to the window and you see kirk peeking out there i'm like oh man and it's just after you've seen spock on vulcan and he's been undergoing undergoing the colonar ritual and i mean there's all this cool stuff from there so uh, anyway what I thought we might do, and I don't know whether this is a start or whether this just carries us all the way through, but uh, looking at all of the different Star Trek series and uh, just sort of going back to those inspirational or hopeful moments that we all might have found or taken hmm. from there. And I'm going to start because in Star Trek The Next Generation, and this is by no means my first or foremost, but... Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, part two of Best of Both Worlds. There's a wonderful scene with uh, Riker and Guinan. And Guinan essentially tells Riker that the only one who can turn this thing around against the Borg is him. And he's got to be the only captain of the Enterprise. He's got to let go of the memory of Captain Picard. It's the only way to beat him. It's the only way to save him. And that is now your chair, Captain. I mean, and that, that is a moment from which I took tremendous personal inspiration. I was going through some difficult things in my own life. Hmm. And that affirmation saying the only one who can turn this thing around is you is one that I internalized. And it was very meaningful to me. So anyway, um, who else has got a inspirational moment? It doesn't have to have affected you personally like that might just be something that you thought was really cool and that you remember so in the moment it was the first season of Star Trek Discovery huh. mm -hmm. in the moment it was it was really it was really really meaningful to me to see a pretty accurate depiction of what PTSD was like hmm. because Star Trek had always been this very glossy for the most part depiction of what the future was going to be like like we've evolved past these things and like no one talked I mean like occasionally you got little bits and pieces of like emotional things that people dealt with but it wasn't a regular thing and you didn't go into like the dirty raw parts of it but it was Ash Tyler was on he had been rescued from being a prisoner um, was on a Klingon ship again and he started having PTSD flashbacks and I'm watching this and I'm like holy crap like this is the most realistic depiction I've ever seen of this, and it's in Star Trek. Now, granted, later down the series, there's different explanations for it, but like in that moment, I was, I was moved because that is the first time that I had seen something like, something that I grew up with, deal with something that I had to deal with in my own personal life. Mm -hmm. Well, and you served also. I did. In yeah. fact, you and were it, over in Iraq. Oh, I was not just, aware of that. Wow. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. It, it was just in that moment, I was like. 
this is amazing that they're doing this. And they actually did it well. And they didn't just say, oh, man, I used to I hate when when movies do this. And it's not a common thing now, but it used to be yeah. where it's like you just got to get over it. Yeah, hmm. you're past that. Like, OK, yeah, because that doesn't that fixes everything. Thanks, by the way. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That Rub and some like, dirt on it. Exactly. Hmm. Like that and just like a quick one. Um, Star Trek four. And it didn't hit me until recently. But when I watched it, I, I've always loved the original cast movies. Those are like my mm -hmm. favorite. But like in Star Trek four, when Bones is in the hospital and they're there to get check off and he runs into that old lady yeah. who's suffering in the corner. And he's like, what, what's wrong with you? And she's like, kidney dialysis. And he hands her a pill <laughs> and just slap, like, slaps her on the cheek. He's like, if you know, you don't feel better, you call me. And then later they're leaving the hospital and that woman is giddy. She's like, the doctor gave me a pill and I grew a new kidney. That was so touching because he totally broke the prime directive, right? The temporal yeah, prime yeah. directive. Sure. But who cares? Because he saved the, he saved somebody. Don't forget, and he's like, a, he's a they're a menace, basically. <laughs> yeah, absolute menace to the temporal prime directive. But like, it, it's it, it shows what Star Trek is. Yeah. That mm -hmm. even even though these are the rules, I'm going to do the right thing to help somebody in the moment. No matter and what. That, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Roberto, it sounds like you might have one. I have yes. a couple. Uh, easy. Well, give us just one for right now, and then we'll move on to somebody else. <laughs> we'll come back to you. Come, back, come on, give us just first one. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, for some bizarre reason that I don't understand at all to save my life, Star Trek Three is looked down by a lot of fans. I mean, but the weird thing about Star Trek Three is that it was one of the most important movies in terms of contributing to the lore of Star Trek in general. A whole bunch of stuff that basically paid off later in Next Generation and other movies came from Star Trek 3. But one of the things that always got to me is two seeds. One is when Kirk steals the Enterprise. And the Excelsior basically is about to go chase. And the guy, the captain of the Excelsior basically tells Kirk, you Kirk, never you do this. You'll never sit in the back. captain's chair again. Yeah. And Kirk basically realizes he's right and does it anyway. And it always touched me deeply that they have become, instead of a crew, an extended family, and that they would die for each other. And that touched me really well. And I love the speech at the end with Sadek, where he basically... Uh, oh, yeah, what it cost you? Yes. Yeah, your 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 ship, your son, you know, and he says, if I, I hadn't... It would have cost my soul. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I, just, I just watched it last night. So. <laughs> Thank you. It's a great movie. And the scene where you see the Enterprise burning... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's another one. We're going to move on, but yeah. hold on to that. Uh, Julian, you got one? You know what? No, I, like, I love Star Trek, but no, I never... The, the idea of Star Trek gives is what gives you hope. Like, oh, yeah, you can... Mm. I like the yeah. fact Star Trek is glossy. Because every be. other future version that America makes, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> one shining bright light is that in Star Trek, everybody gets their stuff together. We ain't got to worry about no money. We got a machine that can just make some food up, and we chilling in space. We might got to fight some random alien <laughs> fools over here, some <laughs> robot people over there. But out on Earth... Man, we chilling, you know what I'm saying? Everything based out of San Francisco, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's mm -hmm. eating and chilling, teleporting around, making music. And yeah, man, that Star, that is, Star Trek, the idea of Star Trek is dope. All you got to do is be some Vulcans. We be some Vulcans. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Drew? Oh, gosh. Um, 
Now you had all this time to be thinking yeah, about I know, this. I know. <laughs> there, there, there are great, there are great moments in like sprinkled through, like the, yeah, exactly. Just the, give us one. Okay. Um, First one that pops to mind. Oh gosh. Okay. Uh, there's. I'll, I'll, I'll run through a couple. Um, the end of Doomsday Machine, where Kirk mm. is on the constellation mm. and the transporter doesn't work, <laughs> and this miracle of technology <laughs> that he's betting his life on. Is, is not working mm-hmm. and it's like you feel the tension escalating as, as the ship gets closer and closer to the planet killer gentlemen and, I suggest you beam me aboard yeah exactly <laughs> like, and he's keeping it cool but, you know inside like that'd be freaking out and and so that's that's one um mm. Edith Keeler in mm. City on the Edge of Forever mm. was you know um because at the end of it for the first time the word hell is used on oh, a TV indeed. show Really? Yeah, it was yeah, just, oh, let's get that the, was that was real controversial yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, he flips the computer and says, like, "Let's get the hell out of here." Huh? That's that's a big moment, and mm-hmm. and you feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, Shatner and Collins really sell the emotion of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and and trouble with troubles, where you know it's just the the inherent absurdity of you know a, a, a starbase being brought to its knees. By little puffballs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very prolific puffballs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia, and streaming online at WERA.FM. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by. Drew Bittner and Roberto Ortiz and Julian Lytle and Mike Lunsford. We've been talking about the pop culture phenomena that is Star Trek Uh, because as it happens this month it's the anniversary of both the release of the first feature film with the original cast and the final film featuring the original cast. There are a couple of moments that I I just want to mention from the original series since I talked about Next Generation the last time my turn came around. Uh, one of both of them are actually from. Uh, well, okay, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do three because I don't think we'll get back to me before the end of the show. Um, uh, two of them are from the third season. Uh, one is from Plato's stepchildren. There's hmm. a really uh, wonderful moment there at uh, when um, Alexander, uh, the um, played by Michael Dunn, great actor, uh, you know, who is a little person, is talking about how he is being maligned by the Platonians because he doesn't have the power and because he's a little person. And he asks Kirk, he says, where you come from, are there many people my size and who don't have the power? And Kirk says, Alexander, where I come from, size, shape, or color doesn't matter. That's and nice. no one has the power, you know? And I'm like, man, I want to be where you're from, you know? And then at the end <laughs> of that show, um, when they have uh, the philosopher king, Parman, who is ruling the Platonians, and he has been malevolent and evil through the whole show, and Alexander has a knife to his throat, and Kirk, because Kirk, cause they've been able to reproduce this uh, psychokinetic power of the Platonians, and uh, Kirk relents and he pulls uh, Alexander off of him and Alexander turns he says no don't stop me let me finish him off and Kirk says do you want to be like him <laughs> I'm like oh wow talk about taking the high road that's a wonderful one and uh, then in another third season episode whom gods destroy when they meet up with Garth of Izar who is imprisoned on Elba 2 uh, you know one of the last places where they're keeping the criminally insane people of the galaxy and uh, Garth is ranting about 
what he's going to do and Lord you know Garth. yeah well yeah but he, he there's a scene they have dinner i mean he's very, very all very civilized despite everything and uh, garth is saying you know talking about uh, you know these these people who were in power throughout the galactic center and calling them weaklings and uh, fools and Kirk says they were humanitarians and statesmen and they had a dream a dream that spread throughout the stars and became a reality a dream that made Mr. Spock and me brothers and Garth wow. seizes on this and he says Mr. Spock do you consider Captain Kirk and yourself to be brothers and Spock starts well Captain Kirk speaks figuratively and with undue emotion and they show you Kirk because he's like oh damn Spock for real but then Spock says but what he says is logical and I do in fact agree with it oh. <laughs> and I was like oh oh wait for Spock to come through and then and this is one of my favorite moments from the show it's in the first season one of the earliest episodes it's called um, The Naked Time and uh, they're uh, the crew is afflicted uh, by this disease that they picked up from this planet and uh, Kirk has it, but he's trying to hold himself together. He's just told, you know, because uh, Lieutenant Riley has cut the engines off. The ship is spiraling down towards side 2000. They have to do an emergency restart of the engines, it making the engines implode. And Spock and Scotty have just left. He's told them to clear the corridors and the turbo lift and to be quick about it. And then he gathers himself, and he's, he's walking out of the briefing room. He looks around, you know, because he's just been... You know, sort of crying about how he has no personal life. He's got a beautiful yeoman, but he can't pay attention to her. The ship demands everything from him. <laughs> but he looks around at the walls of the ship and he says, Never lose you. Never. I'm <laughs> like, Oh, man. Oh. I mean, you know, you, uh, you can tell how personally affected I am by this show. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Roberto, what else you got? You said Jets. You Klingon bastard, you kill my son. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. a good one. Or, or Captain Kirk, uh, mm. they're turning around. Uh, they're in transmitting you terms of surrender. Star Trek Two. Yes. Which is the first time Kirk finds himself in a Kobayashi Maru type situation, no win situation. In which is the whole point of the well, movie. If you stop, but they got it really. But I love that he, I, he gets. I know, I'm serious. Okay, in the Omega Glory, and this is a moment from TV. So I hate to interrupt you, but uh, uh, you go back and watch it, uh, Captain Tracy has the drop on him you know because the, the it's right it's right before the yangs are going to attack the attack the comb village and kirk is creeping around because they've both been uh, you know trying to avoid each other because tracy has the phaser kirk's creeping around all of a sudden tracy steps out right behind him kirk turns tracy's got the phaser on him he's got the drop but they give a shot you see kirk's head sags he's like i'm done Oh man, Tracy pulls the trigger. The phaser is exhausted. <laughs> it's like, ah, you got lucky. So, I mean, there are a lot of moments that he's fake. He just, like he said at the end of that show, he's like, I, I've cheated death. I've tricked my way out of death and patted myself on the back for my in, 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 uh, ingenuity. But uh, the other thing Kirk they left about. you lucky a lot, yo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I be rocking with Picard and my man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My man Cisco, they be. They gotta get it out the mud. <laughs> the car died like three times on that series. Oh my gosh! Remember what? the episode where Cisco mm. admits that he had somebody murdered, and oh, that's one of the best. That's Cisco. Oh, by the in the pale moonlight. Yes, yeah, that Cisco is yeah. a G. He's a he's hard. <laughs> he makes the yeah. real. See, I'm not even saying oh, this gives me hope. Like nah, that's the realest. <laughs> Sometimes somebody gotta die. Sometimes you gotta talk to Garrick and be like. 
I need you to do some things. <laughs> That's when you get to like power, sopranos. Yeah. I was like, but you in space. Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. when you want to. What's when you want to base? You want to see he ain't in the ship. He in the thick of it. And actually, there's a famous Love that. speech Cisco. scene. He's Hulk from Deep. Christmas High. <laughs> on the table. Kick over the chairs. How about that famous speech from Quartz in Deep Space Nine where he's talking to his uh, nephew about the nature of humanity? That's one of the best speeches ever. Yeah. That he basically yeah. is telling him that you see these humans so happy, enlightened, all that. They basically he gives two amazing speeches during the series. He gives one specifically where he explains to his nephew that humanity for all their involvement, if you take their comfort needs, they'll turn into monsters. That was in the siege of AR five five eight. Yes, and yes. This, yeah. you know, because we need the focus. If we don't have the focus, we ain't nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we must have and, our and dream the, alien angel. I, I would I would say that actually Quirk has three great speeches. Yes, the the first is that one. The second is the one where he talked to his. Talk to um, Cisco about about yes, oh, yes. yes. in yeah. in the final episode yeah. of season two. We're yes. basically saying you know, that you're the all the things, yeah, all the things yeah. that you hate about yourselves. Yes, you project onto us exactly. And but the, we're and, a lot better. And the, and the third one, I think, <laughs> is I, I remember he had a conversation with Garak. Yes. Oh yes, at about, the bar. Yeah, that like, root beer. Yeah. He said, uh, it's, yep. yes. it's, sickly, it's sickly sweet. He said, but you love it. He said, and that's that's what if you have are. enough of it. Yeah. He said, but that's what humans are. But that's cool thing about <laughs> Deep Space Nine is that it acknowledges that yes this is a dream but it's worth fighting for and that's the cool thing that I love about Deep Space Nine is that it acknowledges the fact that the dream of the Federation of being, being in a unified species and trying to better yourself is a dream but it's worth achieving and I think I think one thing about DS9 that kind of sticks with me is that of all the shows uh, even even Next Generation to an extent, DS9 I think did the most world building. Yes, it, it mm. told you what life is like in the Federation. It's like it's showing you Earth. It's showing you all these things. Yeah. Next Generation yeah. shows you Earth, but it shows you Starfleet headquarters. You know, but Next Generation shows you Cisco's father's restaurant. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. it's it's a it's a more balanced look at what life is like then. It's because so. the other ones are on ships and they're not staying in one place. Yeah. yeah. They're exploring this night, you you stuck there. And it just show it's to me that show that was a show that actually fleshed out the Klingons. Yeah. That's why yeah. I can't even watch some of the old movies. Like you was talking about the, the quote where you said like you killed my son, you Klingon. Yeah. Like I don't even like that because now I'll <laughs> I be rocking with Klingons because yeah, of TNG with the Klingons. on yeah. and you like nah man you disrespect that's just a oh Christopher Lloyd Klingon you don't care about him he whack. You and Klingons is the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then like the Ferengi they put on and the, everything majority and that's the only show that dealt with truly with religion. Like yes. Everything. And he didn't make fun of it. it well, it's not about it. Cause yeah, it's not about that. You know, this, they they playing with a lot of things, but man, my see but, my man Cisco, he go hard. He he's special. <laughs> I'm still waiting for them to bring he's him the back. The only one that punched Q. Like yeah, you got yeah, that's yeah, right. Q ain't he never did. come back. Yeah, I punch you dead in the eye, bro. Like get out of here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Q was like, let me go mess with Picard again. Let me go. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to the other guy. This Jayway lady. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Archer? Where's Archer? <laughs> Anybody but him. <laughs> but you did. Ah, okay, you got a powers of God or nothing. Dang. 
Oh man. Like sweet Christmas on that. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my money, honey? He <laughs> <laughs> and the beer, yeah. Better have my money. Oh. <laughs> and you know what's the scary part? Cisco now has the power of the prophets. So what happens if Q visits him again? That's why I want him to come back. That's why he can come back. He can come back in both timelines because of the wormhole. They sitting there with this fountain of just this uncut diamond of gems of just he can pop up anywhere. Bring Cisco back. Make a new Cisco. Do something. Hmm. Sorry. I would, Cisco. I would watch that show. But look, that musical cue means that we are sadly out of time for this episode. So uh, I'm going to thank my guests. I'm going to thank uh, you two for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. Check your local listings for the air times in your area. Visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. You can check out the show. You can listen to the radio episodes. We've got the episodes of the show broken out into segments where you can look at the toy and game profiles and the interviews and the special uh, discussions and special event coverage. Also, Fantastic Forum is available as a podcast. Thanks to our friends at the Great Geek Refuge. Visit any of the platforms where your favorite podcasts are available to check that out. And the show re-airs each and every Thursday right here on WERA 96.7 FM. So you can tune in at 3 p.m. on Thursdays to check it out. And don't forget to come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Have a great rest of the weekend, people.